I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, and welcome to the Art of Decluttering podcast. I am one of your hosts, Kirsty Faruja. And I'm your other host, Amy Ravel. We're so glad to be with you here today. Thank you for listening in. If you don't know us, if this is your first time tuning into the Art of Decluttering podcast, I actually, sidebar Kirst, I was just talking to someone on the phone today and they said that they searched up online Australia's best podcasts and we were on the list. How wow. cool is that? And I was like, what? Where did you find that? She goes, I literally just Googled it. So awesome. I asked her to send me through what kind of list we were on. But we are professional organisers and declutter coaches and our podcast is about four years old. We talk all things decluttering and today we have one of our really special friends, Gnomes. Um, Gnomes has been part of our Head, Heart and Home course and feels like part of the Art of Decluttering family. Gnomes, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. How long have you been listening to the podcast for? Um, I Started listening listening in 2018, and I think you were 20-ish episodes, maybe. <laughs> and I just binged the whole lot <laughs> at the start. It was all right at the start when I had a heap to catch up. Whenever I had downtime, I was like, "Oh, I've got another podcast I could listen to." And then once you catch up, you got to hang out each week. <laughs> wait yes, for the next, wait I am the giving one. up. Yeah, I'm giving up my much coveted Tuesday night where I could be watching Only Murders in the Building for this very podcast. <laughs> so, listeners, if you can hear my family in the background, it is eight o'clock in the evening and we're recording this with gnomes because, as you'll hear, she's got a very interesting job and this is the time that we could catch her. <laughs> um, so excuse my family in the background if you do tend to hear them. I can't do anything about them. Yeah, they know fine. I'm recording and they still make noise. And that's okay. <laughs> they care less. Um, yeah. No, so listeners, we have gnomes in today to talk about what it's like to lose everything in a house fire. But there's so much more to gnomes than just losing everything in a house fire. So gnomes, why don't you introduce yourself and tell our listeners what you do for work, whereabouts in the world you live. Um, yeah, give us a bit of the intro to gnomes. Okay, well, I'm Gnomes. Well, Naomi, of course, but everybody knows me as Gnomes. Um, I live in the Murrindindi Shire in Victoria, um, so close to Lake Ilden, near Lake Mountain. Um, I work two days a week um, in a disability support service 
working with disability clients, mostly in their homes. And I work three days a week doing patient transport for the Royal Flying Doctors. Um, yeah, so I'm very busy. <laughs> yes, love both jobs equally, which is why I have the two jobs. Couldn't decide which way I wanted to go. And yeah, at the moment in COVID, life's, life's busy. I've been very blessed to still be able to work. Um, I don't, what's the word for it? I'm, that's not lost on me. I know I'm being, I'm grateful to be able to still keep working in both jobs. Um, it's been very busy, very tiring, but um, yeah, I'm grateful for that. Pets or partners? Uh, partner, Daryl, um, fairly new and recent. And I have a border collie named Dog. Oh, that's and, so good. <laughs> yes, a Footrot foot Flats fan. And um, Dog was actually belonged to friends of mine and he adopted Auntie Gnomes when I was staying with them after the fire and he kind of decided he, because I probably spoil him a little bit too much. <laughs> he needed some company. Yes, I did. I was, I've, I've, I've been Auntie Gnomes to dog all his life. I was often dog sitter and, yeah, after the fire he'd come and stay with me where I, I was staying at my friend's place in a shed um, and, yeah, when I finally moved into a house, he, um, he was just coming to stay for a little bit, but now he's just, he hardly goes home technically. And I have a black cat, which um, anyone who's on the Head, Heart and Home course will often see walks behind me on the Zoom calls when we do the Zoom catch-ups. Um, his name is Stumpy because he has a stumpy tail. <laughs> so he's a, he's a Manx cat. He's a Manx you're cat. You're lucky so. that Daryl's not called man. <laughs> Or yeah, bearded funny. man. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it simple. We're keeping it simple. Very, yes, very literal. So <laughs> Stumps thinks he's a dog. So anything the dog does, when I go for a walk with the dog, the cat has to come too. <laughs> so I'm blessed to um, live on a little bit of property with quite a few paddocks. So, yeah, when I go for a walk, <laughs> the cat comes as well. <laughs> So it's quite hilarious. And so, Kirst, I thought we should just do a quick trigger warning too. If yes. if talking about fire or losing your home um, is triggering to you, you may choose to skip this episode or you may choose to listen it with knowing that you have support around you um, or you may choose to listen but reach out to Lifeline if you need any help. So, Names, tell us your story. My story. Okay, um, grew up, great parents, um, both parents, not hoarders, but just, you know, grew up in that era where you hang on to everything in case it's needed, you know, rainy day type thing. Um, I'm not naturally an organised person. Um, I want to be in my head. My head wants to be, <laughs> wants to be an organised person, but um, I'm not naturally organised. I have learned to train myself to be a little bit organized and probably more I get very disorganized through time you know just being so busy it's easy to come home and dump sometimes probably very classic story that a lot of people you know have had um and I've moved several times and just dragged everything with me at one stage you know staying with you know, just share housing and shed full of stuff that just moved and moved and moved and moved and always wanted to 
do the big decluttering thing. Um, I remember the episode on the storage locker and that was just singing to me all the wasted money having a storage locker because one day we were going to go down to the storage locker and work out what we were going to keep, what we weren't going to keep and, you know, that sort of just went on and on and on for a couple of years. So lots of wasted money there. And so, yeah, the classic story that most people have gone through, not, you know, we're not, I'm not most people aren't a hoarder or anything. You just accumulate stuff. Yep. Um, a little bit of the um, retail therapy, you mm-hmm. know, like when life's a bit down or something, you go and buy something, make yourself feel better. And it might only be a, I don't know, $5 fake plant from, you know, the cheap shop or something like that. But it's, you know, that stuff adds up after a while. Mm. So um, fast forward to 2018, so a garage full of junk, um, which then became the storage locker and then came back to the garage. And, yeah, 2018, um, I was away for work, worked away a couple of days a week and um, got a phone call at 3 a.m. in the morning um, from the captain of the fire brigade who also happens to be the publican of the local pub, so I know we're quite good friends. <laughs> and when he first rang me, I just thought he must have accidentally pocket-dialed me or something, you know, though. And, um, and when I first woke up, I thought it was, it was 3 a.m. in the morning, so I thought it was my alarm. Uh, I just turned it off, rolled over and went back to bed, so I don't have to get up yet. And then he rang again, and I was like, oh, why is he ringing me? You know, is, is there something wrong? Or And... Um, I'm ex-CFA as well, so I've, I've dealt with stuff like that before. And his first words to me were, Gnomes, where are you? Are you in the house? Mm. And I knew instantly that the mm. house was on fire. Um, having been in the CFA, I've pulled up at house fires before and the first words that come out of your mouth are, is there anyone in the house? Mm-hmm. And I just, I just knew straight away my stomach dropped and he was trying to explain to me on the phone um, that, you know, they had quite a few appliances there, but the front of the house was fully engulfed. And, and, I, and I just said, it's all right, Darren, I understand the house is gone. And he goes, oh, somebody already rang you. And I said, no, it's just the knowledge. I just, yeah. I know how it goes. I live in a rural area. So, you know, even if I was home, um, you know, timing, it's just a reality of um, how it happens when you, when you know. So in some ways having that knowledge might have helped. I didn't completely go to pieces at the time because I just understood what was happening. But then had an hour and a half drive home mm. from work at 3 a.m. in the morning with the knowledge that I was coming home to, to nothing, basically. Mm-hmm. So, did you have to drive gnomes from I think you, you had said before you were in Shepparton did you have to drive home in the middle of the night on your own yes yeah okay so lots of time to think yeah so um everyone was was worried you know are you okay do you want us to come and get you that sort of thing um and I when these things sort of happen and anyone who's been through you know Black Saturday the recent fires you know 2019 2020 you sort of just go into survival mode. You just, mm. you just, li- you, you automatically click into um, a lot of the emotional stuff 
the real intense emotions drop and yeah you just go into survival mode so yeah so I just um drove home um when I first sort of took off I sort of had that urgency to get home but then I just settled and just went yeah, and especially where I'm driving, you know, there's animals on the road and everything. I thought, I just realised and just knew, I just knew there, there was no point rushing because mm. it didn't matter how quickly I got home, it wasn't going to change the outcome. Wow. So, mm. you know, jump on the phone, of course, made a few phone calls, called work to let them know that I was not going to be in. Um, and I, I sort of, you know, in that crazy moment, I'm saying, oh, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. I might be right for Friday. <laughs> and they were just like, it's all right, Gnomes, just go and deal with what you've got to deal with and, you know, rang my dad. I love my dad. My dad's my mentor and my hero and, and you know, he jumped in the car straight away and the friends, local friends, who, um, the ones that I ended up staying with after that, rang them and, um, of course, everybody sort of got there before I did. But, um, yeah, so you um, come home and, and in a situation like mine where it's... Um, just one house like you know when in a bushfire or that kind of situation everybody kind of knows what's happened everyone knows what's going on everybody's sort of aware of the situation where um in my situation you sort of the confronting thing I wasn't expecting is of course the police are there and there's police tape up and mm. you know not not that it was any great thing but in that first moment when they don't know what's going yeah, on they the didn't know what was going on yeah it, it wasn't a bushfire it no. was a mm. fire a fire yeah 3 a.m in the morning and and lady up the hill um I found out later apparently her dogs were barking carrying on and she's she's gone out walked out to tell the dogs to be quiet and she's probably uh four five hundred meters away up up a hill up an incline and mm. and she sort of looked out to see what the dogs were barking think it was probably just a possum or something and has just seen flames above the trees mm. so called the fire brigade and just said you know I'm not sure what it, where it is exactly I can see sort of where it is I know there's houses down there it could be the bush it could be a house not sure um so you know that what time of year was it like was it bushfire season no it was it was um March it okay. was in March. So it was bushfire season. Yeah. And it was very, it was, it was being very hot. So it could have just been a bushfire. Um, but anyway, like she just said, I can see flames. Like I'm not sure what it is you need to, you know, turn the fire out. Yeah. So of course they, they came and yeah, but that um, sort of seeing the police was a little bit confronting for me, just, you know, not, you know, it was sort of a bit, um, I'm still a little bit, there's not a lot that triggers me any, um, so much anymore I'm not really good with seeing red and blue you know emergency lights flashing at night time that mm. that sort of brings back that memory that driving I've got a sort of it's about 500 meters of a straight road before you get to my house and you know just as you drive you know it's out the bush so there's not a lot of street lights around so you know it's sort of the intensity of the mm. emergency lights is quite intense and just that driving up to see the lights, that's when the reality hits in, of course, when yeah. you, you know, you sort of, although you know, although I knew it was, it was what it was, you're sort of driving home in half in a state of mind, hoping that, you know, it was some stupid, crazy dream and you're going to get home and everyone's going to be there going, surprise, ha ha, 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a it was a shed and the house was fine or yeah, so um but yeah, that was um so that was that part of the situation and and yeah, as, after that I um I had amazing landlords, amazing amazing landlords that um were so good to me. They they pretty much said straight away that they were going to rebuild and um, that they would love to have me back as a tenant. And um, I had all intention of going back to the house. Um, the rebuild, of course, what house builds always end up like. It took a little bit longer than, <laughs> than expected, but it was, I'm probably skipping a far bit further forward. But anyway, <laughs> um, having that knowledge sort of, got me through a quite a lot of the dark times just just knowing that you know I loved that little block of land and yeah you know, although it wasn't mine it, it felt like home mm. um, I'd lived there for six years or something um, and when the time came for me actually going back um, the very last day I walked through for you know a viewing when the house was finally finished um, I just couldn't do it the mm master bedroom looked out on where the previous house was they slightly adjusted where the new house was built on the block and I just stood in the bedroom and and something just something just broke not I don't know if broke's the right word but yeah I, I just didn't feel right it, yeah I just there. yeah yeah I just thought yeah it got me through but when the reality came to actually going back yeah there was just something I just um I don't know I think it was time to move forward from that. Names, talk us through what um, what was the process once you turned up at the house? Obviously, the police and CFA and friends and family had gathered. How long was it before you could, I don't know, like were you able to eventually go through the property or was it deemed um, too unsafe that even once it was distinguished, you were able to go through? Like what were you able to reclaim anything? Talk us through that time um, in the hours that followed. Um, yeah, so the I wasn't the fire investigator arrived sometime in the morning. Um, I spent some time with my other neighbours, um, Daniel and Amber. Great support that they were as well. Um, you know, went and had a coffee with them and everything while just kind of waiting for the sun to come up to see the reality. Mm. Um, and I wasn't allowed on the property. The fire investigator arrived. My actual timings of things during the day is a bit blurred. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but it was in the morning. It was in the morning they rocked up and went through the property to see, you know, they've got to do their investigation mm. to see what they can work out what happened, what caused it, all that sort of thing. And I was thinking it was going to be, it was coming up to the um, long weekend in March, the Labor Day, Victorian Labor Day long weekend. Um, so that was the Thursday and I, I thought they said to me, so the fire investigator comes who does the investigation on behalf of the police and they come back with their report um, and then insurance investigators also come and do their investigation as well for the insurance side of things. Um, so the fire investigator came that day and then I got a phone call that afternoon from the detectives to say that, um, they hadn't been able to work out cause of the fire. They'd worked out 
where the or, or, origin was, which they can do. Yeah, that mm. I'll probably talk and speak that makes sense to people in the fire brigade. Probably doesn't make a lot oh, of sense. And anybody who's watched CSI and any of those programs. Yeah. <laughs> It was really hard with, yeah, because if people watch the CSI, they always have these things where, you know, they can work, like they can work it out right down to the finite degree and, and yeah. that sort of thing and it's not really reality. <laughs> um, what they explained to me was um, they called my fire what they call a complete and total loss. So it was literally burnt down like there wasn't even floorboards left mm. all you could see was the stumps of the house mm-hmm. um and there's often when you see pictures of particularly after you know the bushfires and all the tin is all fallen in on the house they'd actually pulled all the tin away from mine because they you know because after a bushfire they often don't have an opportunity to actually put out houses that are yeah. well, they don't if once it's engulfed you know, the, the, they move to the next one. That, yeah, it sounds horrible, yeah. but they need to move no, the resources. They're trying to on. save. Yeah, they're trying to save property. And Whereas lives. in my situation, when it's all the crews are all at the house at once, they sort of in fire. What you do is you you sort of pull the tin back and stuff, and 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 try to get to the seat of the fire and and get the heat out. So it looked a bit different. My house looked different because all the tin was like outside of the. Mm what would have been the square of the house all pulled away and then it was just the um, the stumps and just the ground there. So, yeah, so the fire investigators, they did their report and um, which is, it, it's sort of hard. It's like you just, I don't know. Um, I was able to, I did see him before I left and I just sort of gave him a quick mud map of the property just to help him work out what was where. Um, you know, and you go through all those questions and they, they go through all, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I found out later that they actually ping my phone. They do a, a, a triangulation to, um, they ping my phone to check. Make sure you were actually in Shep. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and to um, see where I was. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you hear all these little things after, it's confronting how you realise, um, you know, how it could have been and, and yeah. the, the, the processes they go through is a little bit confronting. So, yeah, they did that. And when I heard that, that was a little bit, yeah, sort of in, in your face. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I was able to go back and salvage um, some things. Um, what types of things were you able to salvage? Not a, Not a lot. Nothing... Um, nothing really usable. No, I lie. Genuine Pyrex (laughs) from America can survive a house fire. (laughs) (laughs) As my photo that I sent to Kirst during the week, it can't survive Amy dropping it out of the cupboard onto the tiles. (laughs) (laughs) But it can survive a fire. That's right. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so probably the only real usable things were a couple of Pyrex dishes because the kitchen itself, I mean, I could talk for hours about how fire actually works, but with the heat and different things, it takes longer for the kitchen just because the density of the wood with your cupboards and the doors and the drawers and all that mm. sort of stuff, it can take 
a bit longer and frequently areas of the kitchen. So I did actually salvage some stuff out of the kitchen, but wouldn't really call, call it um, usable. salvaged. Yeah. Yeah. It's salvaged, but. And, you can and, tell what it is. Yeah. You can tell what it, mugs, mugs survive. I've had a few cups, but the other thing too, is you've got to be really careful late. I found out I that um, because they've been through extreme heat, it doesn't take much to break them. You've only mm. got to tap them and they shatter, depending on the um, what they're made of. So mm -hmm. the Pyrex survived. And it's um, here's a moment of um, confession. <laughs> the stuff that I salvaged from the fire is probably the one thing I actually haven't finally done my final declutter on. Um, I'm actually now ready um, and probably have been for probably six months. I just actually haven't had the time. Mm to go and do it, um, but I've got to that mental place now where I've, I've chosen just a couple of items that I'm going to keep. They're, they're not in condition anymore, of course. I've got the two Pyrex dishes. I used one last on the weekend, actually. Um, but um, just a couple of other little things that are obviously burnt, but I've just chosen to keep just a That's few. That's part things. of your history too, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a real, it's a real roller coaster of emotions. It's a real roller coaster of a journey. In, I the pendulum swung between, yeah. Once once I'd sort of gotten over all that and and dealt with the reality that um, you know, the house is gone, and yes, there's all that emotional thing that goes with it. The like I could probably name. In terms of sort of like when you talk about decluttering and, and what would you keep and, you know, when it comes down to it, I can probably name the top 10, maybe 20 items in the house that I know for a fact that I lost and that actually means something that I've lost them, if mm. that makes sense. When it first happens, you sort of everything, you know, you cry about everything. Um, but over time, and also because I've been doing the, you know, the decluttering and, and I've, I've changed that mindset, there's probably, I've let go of the obsession or, or not the obsession, the, the um, connection to, you know, my stuff that we all have. We all have that, you know, when we start out on mm. the decluttering journey, we all have that connection to stuff. Names, can I ask you about that connection? In Melbourne, a lot of our organisers have worked with people who lost everything in Black Saturday because we're kind of in the north of Melbourne. And what we often hear is I didn't have a strong connection with my staff before, but they've developed that post-loss. And so they'll often help have us come in and say, like, losing anything is so traumatic that now even this stuff, I don't want to get rid of anything have you experienced that or can you talk to that at all? Yes, absolutely. That, that's one of the things that I was, you know, wanted to talk about. And, yeah, I, I totally can understand that emotional attachment to, um, so there was the stuff that people gave me, um, you know, everybody is so generous. We're such a great country in these kind of situations. Everybody's so generous and I got given so much stuff and you're not in the headspace to work out what you need, what you don't need. So you just say yes to everything. Yeah. Or, you know, mm -hmm. in my situation, I did. Um, I was lucky enough 
to have some friends um, give me like a storage locker, basically, to put all that stuff in. Um, and you are going to need genuine, you know, you're going to need furniture and stuff. So there is the reality side of it, but you become, I got given bags and bags of clothes from people and family brought me stuff, like brand new things. And, and there were things that didn't fit and things that weren't my style and think, but I just couldn't in that mm. first probably 12 to 18 months, I, I couldn't let go of anything. I couldn't let go of yeah, I understand I completely. And that stuff that went out in the shed or the stuff that was already in the shed was stuff that wasn't precious enough to be in the to house. To be in the house, mm. yeah. Like, you know, it, it had I got onto the decluttering before 2018, everything that was in the shed, bar maybe, you know, a few things that I knew were in the shed that, I wanted to get back into the house and hadn't had that opportunity. Apart from those things I could actually remember were in the shed and the plan was to get them in the house, everything else in the shed could have gone out. And um, But then I became attached to all that. I became paranoid. Well, not paranoid, but, yeah, I couldn't let it go. Yeah, I knew I didn't need it. I knew it wasn't important. I knew it wasn't the stuff that meant anything to me, but I could not let it go. I, I yeah, it's. So then you then go through another emotional process of working through that and realising that that stuff is not important either. So mm. it's sort of and letting go of that stuff when that time comes. And, uh, you know, when I finally got into a house, I don't actually need three couches. <laughs> And you don't actually need two coffee tables or, you know, but then it, I went through a real emotional thing of well, which one am I going to keep? This person gave me that one and that person gave me that one. And and uh, my uncle passed away, my great uncle passed away um, last year. So then I got a lot of stuff from my uncle. So then there was that emotional thing of, oh, well, I should hang on to this because this was family and maybe I should get rid of the other stuff and, um, I had a, a friend give me a lot of stuff who sadly passed away very young. So then I had that emotional thing about that. He passed away last year as well. So then I didn't want to let go of any of his things. And, you know, there was just, it, it was a snowballing effect of then hanging on to all that stuff. So it was another emotional process of working through to let go on a different level. So it was all these different levels mm. of letting go and um and doing the decluttering thing and but I am really glad that I found the podcast um as I said started binging on the podcast and then joined the head heart and home course um and that has been completely game changing for me in being able to let go let like let go mentally um let go physically and see you know, light at the end of the tunnel, see, see the future, see, see that there is, you know, hope in, in the future. So, so tell us about that. Like, tell us some of the thoughts that went on and like how it, how it was that you were able to let go. Um, one thing I would say to people advice I would give is, um, so at the start, let it hurt let it burn, let yourself cry, let yourself feel it. 
I didn't at the start. I held it all in for quite a long time and I probably didn't deal emotionally with anything in 2018 and then it all came out in 2019 and I sort of instead of it being a little bit at a time I, I really fell in a heap um, in 2019 I hurt my back and was just in a black hole for a little while so yeah definitely let let go let yourself feel the emotions it's actually okay to feel whatever emotion and in that first phase the pendulum swings like you go you know just let it let it go um I sort of try to hold everything in thinking that you know because I was always the strong one I was all you know everyone always saw me as the you know the one that was always capable of doing all this stuff and organizing all these things and I was always the organizer and that and I had to just let go of that and be okay with letting being not being capable of being gnomes you know everyone's oh it's all right gnomes will do it gnomes will do it and I had to be I had to learn and be okay with just letting that go and being okay with not being able to do that so the one thing I would say to most people is is be okay with that let 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 it hurt let it go through it and and let let the tears fall um because if you carry that you can't clear the mind to move forward mm. um so i w- went through that process um and then and if your mind is so cluttered with all the emotions what i found for me if my mind was so cluttered with all the emotions and all the you know all the negativity and everything and and um i couldn't i couldn't focus on anything i it was like looking through a fog Everything was like looking through a fog. So um, it was definitely help from listening to the podcast and everything. But, um, yeah, so I would definitely recommend to most people, let yourself deal with the emotional stuff. Deal with the emotional clutter. Clear some headspace. I tried. um, So when I first started doing, you know, listening to the podcast and doing the course, I tried doing the decluttering stuff and I couldn't focus on anything I couldn't you know I, I you know I was in that phase where I wasn't going to let anything go and then I'd let things go and then I'd regret it and then I'd be so you know so I found for me and I, I think it's good for a lot of people you've been and it's not not just a house fire it's anything if you've been through really big emotional stuff it could be you know a marriage breakup it could be parents passing away someone else in the family I think it's relevant for all mm one to give yourself space to feel and then to let yourself clear your head first you need need some clear head space um and then um yeah so then the journey for that was then getting into the nitty-gritty of the decluttering and that actually really helped um it was really hard at first yeah was there a therapeutic part of that of you choosing and being autonomous rather than having your stuff you know, a house fire is the ultimate decluttering, but it's all against your will. Was there a sense of taking agency and ownership at the next stage when you did it yourself? Yeah, when it, when it finally came around to, um, you know, it being on my terms and deciding what I wanted to keep of the stuff that I'd been given and bought myself some new stuff. Um, yeah, that sort of, and I think once I sort of got to that point, 
that probably puts me on the same keel as everybody else doing their decluttering journey. Um, I remember, I think it was in one of the podcasts you said, it might have been during the lockdown podcasts. Um, I think it was your We are not held accountable for anything we said during that <laughs> lockdown series. Just no, FYI. It was, it was actually really good because you said we like everyone always said, all I need is two weeks. Yeah, you know, all I need is time and I'll be able to declutter. And I remember you saying, and then we discovered time wasn't the issue. And that just like that was like bullseye. That hit me right. And I realized that's that's actually it. It's actually not just about having the time. Um, there's the whole mental side of it as well. You've got to you've got to give yourself the clear space in your mind to be able to do it. And and being okay with letting some of the emotions go as well, decluttering the emotions. Um, that sounds negative, but being okay with with you know feeling each step of the journey and then being okay with moving on to the next step um, is I think is just as important as the physical declutter. Um, yeah. So did that answer the question, or did I do what yeah. I do very yeah. well and went? <laughs> No, cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Is there any other advice that you would give people who find themselves having to declutter after a traumatic experience? Um, I mentally decluttered a lot of my physical objects. Let me explain that. Um, before I actually did a lot of physical declutter, I, I let myself kind of sit with everything. Maybe it took me longer than I guess maybe a normal declutter as such, but I mentally went through... I sort of let myself feel how would I actually feel if I if I let go of this? Yeah, you know, am I gonna regret it later? Does it really have that emotional attachment? Is it am I attached to it because someone gave it to me after the fire, or am I attached to it because, you know, so I um I didn't actually do a lot of physical declutter first. I mm. I, I did a lot of mental stuff. I, I mentally let myself think about the things that I had and and feel um, because one day I could be feeling really, really good 
and be happy to declutter and be positive and you know I might have listened to a podcast about you know one element of the decluttering but then the next day when I, I might feel bad or a week later when I was having a bad week you'd then go back and rethink all those you know and if I'd already gotten rid of something then you know then you might start regretting it because you got rid of it so I went through this process of just letting myself mentally think about things before I actually did the physical declutter. That's great um, advice. Yeah. So especially when it's, when it's when there's trauma involved, when there's that heavy trauma involved in it, um, I think you've got to, you know, have grace. I love your magic word of grace. Um, have grace for yourself to, you know, let yourself feel through the process Maybe that's just how I, I deal with things. I'm, maybe that's how I'm, I'm geared that I, I sort it of... It sounds healthy. Yeah. I, I kind of mentally do it before that I go physically doing it. Um, and I was going to say something, but I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, this isn't an insensitive question to ask, but what's the greatest thing to come out of losing everything in a house fire is there a greatest thing is there something you look back on and go I couldn't have learned that otherwise or is it is it it was all really crap and yet I have still found you know hope um for me the greatest thing that came out of the house fire was um God drew me back in um I grew up in a Christian family I sort of wandered off um from that sort of path, but it was always in the back of my mind um, or in my heart, I guess, probably not the back of my mind, more so in my heart that that's, that's who I was. And, and, you know, um, and I knew, I just, I didn't feel right in life, in the life I was living, um, wandering out in the desert and God really used the fire um, to draw me back in. He mm. drew me into a place uh, the family that I stayed with were Christians um, and that that sort of that Christian love around me reminded me of, you know, where I needed to be and where I should have been. And having that draw me in, having that bring me back. Um, so there was a real grounding, it sounds like. Yeah, there was, mm. a, there was a definite, it was a very, it was a cleansing and okay. for that might not be the same emotion for everybody who's been through the same experience. And I understand that. I understand I'm walking a different journey from other people. Um, but that was definitely since that, since coming back and, and realizing God's used a really, really bad situation to clear the slate really for me, I, I really felt like it was a real opportunity to clear the slate but that took a little bit of a lot of prayer and a lot of emotional um, work on being okay with letting that be how I felt. Mm. Um, I mean, no doubt in the first probably six months, it was just what's happened in my life. Yeah. You know, everything's gone wrong. The world has turned upside down. That was a definite, um, you know, why me? All those emotions, you know um and yeah and a real negative I was like it was mm. just very numb very very numb but real yeah that that um what you would expect to feel like if it, you know 
anybody who's been through that is a classic emotion that you would expect anybody to feel like I've lost everything. Um, like I was saying about, you know, those 20 odd items I can think about, you know. Can you tell us what some of those would have been? Yes. Um, my teddy bear that I'd had since the day I was born, mm. I lost my teddy bear. Um, things that my grandmother had given me or things that had come through from family. Um, I had a, I'm a Richmond supporter, by the way. Um, <laughs> I had a, um, an old-fashioned woolen football jumper that my uncle, my dad's brother, had worn when he played football, mm. uh, not for Richmond or anything, but the club that he played for were the Richmond Colours and um, and my dad's uncle's, uh, my dad's brother, my uncle, has passed away. So I lost that. And I wore that in 2017, on the day 2017, when we won the grand final in 2017. So, so you have um, photos of yourself in that? Yes, I do. Yeah. Photos, great thing, great thing. <laughs> Um, and and they were digital. Yes, yes. So. I was actually I was actually lucky in that my large box of um, like photos from the past was in the shed. Mm-hmm. So there are some things that I didn't lose that others may have lost. And then of course on the other hand, there's things I've lost that you know some people don't in that situation. But so I was blessed that I do have a very large box of photos. Um, that survived um other things that were yeah just family things that like picture that my nephew drew have drawn for me and a few pieces of furniture that belonged you know were passed down through the family not necessarily antique in any great monetary value but family family things and um I've been given some new some more family things since then and and I did I did say to my dad um I was like you need to understand because I felt a lot of guilt about losing some of those items on behalf of the family I said you need to understand if anything ever happens again and it goes I don't (laughs) you know and like they were great they weren't really holding it against me they understood what I'd gone through but that was what I was putting on myself I was like at first I was like no 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 I don't want anything that's I'll just have all secondhand furniture or things that have been bought. Yeah, isn't it funny? Like I'm not trustworthy, but actually you are trustworthy. It didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, it was a situation where, yeah, I had no control over what happened. So, um, so yeah, so I've got a few things now here that were, you know, family furniture and, and stuff like that. But at first I was like, no, 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 I don't want any of that. I, I, can't, I can't deal with the Can't board. be responsible. Yeah, don't yeah, don't want to be responsible mm. for that. But um, I've kind of worked through that, and uh, and moved on from there. But yeah, so those those items that yeah that, that get you. I had a um, it wasn't really an heirloom, but I had a one of those old fashioned ten cent one arm bandit poker machines that <laughs> pays out three dollars. I had one of those. That's awesome. And, uh, <laughs> And everybody loved playing with it when they come around. Like I'd always just leave the 10 cent coins in it. When everyone came around, they'd play with my poker machine. And like that wasn't family heirloom or anything, but I miss it. It was special. Yeah, I miss the joy that it used to bring everyone when they'd come around and, you know, everyone. And mind you, I haven't actually had since I've moved, you know, finally moved into a house. I sort of got in, got settled 
um, November 2019 and then 2020 COVID happened and <laughs> so you know I've, I've been in in of course I end up moving into a different house so I didn't actually end up going back to the property and move not far away from where I was um, into a beautiful farmhouse yeah beautiful beautiful old farmhouse in a lot of ways it's so much more me there was a big part of me that was really excited about moving into a brand new house and I could buy all this I got so in in 2019 when I was really quite depressed I went through a real thing of I became so obsessed about furnishing the new house and so I did actually deviate from um that kind of decluttering mind even though I was listening to the podcast I'm like yeah I'm gonna declutter and then I'd find myself lying at night in bed at night with the iPad or whatever, you know, scouring through, you know, furniture shops and, oh, and I could put this in this room and that in that room and I'll buy this new lounge suite. And, you know, I got really obsessed with um, filling everything back up again mm. and, 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 you know, replacing the life, you know, replacing, oh, I'll be happy if I have this furniture, that couch and this, you know. And I, I deserve really- it. Hmm. Yeah. And I really went through a phase of, of that becoming a little bit obsessive. I actually became quite obsessive about it, but it was just, it was another step in the process though. It was another step in the emotional, um, in the walk, in the journey. And, and I let myself, when I realized what I was doing and realized that it was that reverting back to those old feelings of that retail therapy because I was actually I did actually go through a period of time I was actually quite depressed um and I don't like winter I get that seasonal affective disorder I get the sads I, I don't the lack of vitamin d and you know it was winter and it was um mm. if it wasn't foggy it was drizzling and if it wasn't drizzling it was rainy and I think I went about two weeks and of course because I was off work for a few weeks with, with a back injury I think I went about two weeks where I didn't see the sunshine mm. <laughs> and I, I, you know, really spiralled down into that and it became a little escape, you know. And it was around that time that we did one of the Zoom lives um, with the Head, Heart and Home course, which um, this is not a paid advertising, but definitely if you have not signed up for the Head, Heart and Home course, <laughs> do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. It isn't ultimate game changer it really is it will change your decluttering journey and it'll next level take it next level so (laughs) you can drop that in girls (laughs) um but yeah we came up to doing a live round and it was just it just brought me up out of it it just really brought me up and it's when I realized you you know you you were going back into that emotional accumulate I think Mm. we're all guilty of doing it I think we've all come from a place of doing it all the subliminal messaging from advertising and everything all our lives has all been you know you can't possibly be happy if you don't have the new couch Mm -hmm. and the new car and the new this and this new gadget will make your life perfect and happy and all that so I, I went through that process and there went into the head heart and home and we did a a, you know a session of the lives and I come out the other side and just you know light bulbs going off the mm. whole and that's when it really actually really hit home for me that's when I really went from just listening mm-hmm. and just listening to the podcast to actually taking that next step going right what are you going to do to actually change your life because in one side of your mind 
yeah, you're telling yourself that, um, you know, you're not going to be like that again. You lost everything, start again. But what's actually in the mirror is completely different. You are still that person from the past. You're still in that in that phase. And, and I guess that's a very long way about trying to explain what I meant about going through that mental process. Let yourself mm. go through the mental process. Be okay with letting go of the old you. Be okay. Cry about it. Cry about the, let yourself cry about the wasted money you've spent on things that you bought and you won't use or you won't wear or let yourself cry and then, and then let it go. Um, and I've had to do that. I've, I'm still sorting out my wardrobe at the moment. I brought a lot of clothes after the fire and I've got things hanging in the wardrobe, brand new, quite expensive things. I'm going to kind of do a big sell off, but I'm not going to wear them. I'm never going to wear them. I was trying to buy a new, um, gnomes. Yeah. A new gnomes. Like, you know, it all been through this big tragedy and, you know, wanted to fix everything up with mm. buying stuff. Can I just ask a quick question? With insurance companies and that type of thing, do they provide any kind of um, recovery services with like a therapist or a grief counsellor? Because I think it's such a big thing to have lost everything and then just be given money because that you don't know what to do with it. Do they provide other services or not? Um, yeah, my I actually do wish I will I will add this piece of advice. I actually wish I'd gone and seen a financial counsellor. Okay. Um, it would be some good advice to working out. Um, and there's always going to be that added level. If you own your house, it's going to be a slightly different situation than me. I was renting, so I mm -hmm. only got contents insurance. Yeah. Um, there's a whole other level that I can't talk about on you know a rebuild process and all that mm. um so some of the elements of what i've said will still be the same but yeah. that actual process but yeah the my, the insurance company i were with was so fantastic the girl um so there wasn't actually anything because i didn't own the house so as contents insurance i wasn't eligible for the insurance company to cover um accommodation but she was so good she actually checked in on me to make sure mm. I had accommodation and I had somewhere to go. And she said, you know, if you're on your own, you've got no help, you know, we'll help you find somewhere. Couldn't mm. pay for it. But there is, um, so all cancels um, have access to emergency um, funding, emergency funding for disaster payments. So it's actually the same it's under the same banner of the disaster payments that have been paid out at the moment with COVID because they've declared it a state of emergency. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever there's a large-scale event, there is those disaster payments that you can access. And even if, and in my situation, I'm still eligible for that um, because I've been through a disaster. Like people mm -hmm. who are in Melbourne at the, at the moment will this year we had the windstorms that went through quite a lot of areas, particularly up around the Mount Dandenong area of Melbourne, um, houses affected the trees down and things like that. So those people are eligible to for a disaster payment. So they they give you some money to cover just your immediate 
things, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste, mm. um, you know, some clothes, that sort of thing, whatever you need. Today. Yeah. Um, and most, I think it's run through most councils, but most councils will have access to emergency accommodation as well. So I think it's, I can't remember the exact, and it may have changed, but there's, there was um, provision for some emergency accommodation for um, yeah, a couple of days or a week mm. or something like that, just in that very first phase, if you actually have nowhere to go. Um, I was fortunate enough that I didn't actually need to take them up on that offer. Um, so I would say to anybody, particularly anyone who's gone through a singular event like I did, normally when it's a large scale event, you hear about all that stuff and um, DHHS and Centrelink and all those kind of places that, you know, they'll set up a um, recovery centre. That's the word I'm looking for. You know, so there's in a large scale event, you usually get told where to go and there's usually all that information. When it's a singular event, you sort of got to look for it a bit yourself. I'm lucky I lived in a very, I live in a country area. So it's a good and a bad thing where everybody finds out what's happened to you. So in one sense, that those services usually find out quite quickly. Um, but on the other hand, <laughs> there is that little bit of negative that everyone knows what's happened, but it, it can be a good thing because, you know, the support is always there. In your more metro areas, you would probably have to seek it out. Um, sometimes the fire brigade and police or SES or whatever will refer you on, um, either ref take your name and hand your details to those people, I'm not sure what their technical title is, um, or they'll give you the information. They give you, you know, the, um, when I spoke to the police after the event, you know, when they gave me the, you know, report and everything that had happened, um, they actually checked in with me and said, because mm. I had to, of course, I had to go to the police station and you've got to, you know, do an interview and all that sort of thing. Um, and they actually said then, you know, there's this, thing and this thing and we can pass your name on to these people and and that sort of thing so the shire, yeah the girl from the shire rang me and I went in and saw her and she went through all that process with me and then of course there's all the volunteer services around that as we know that you know the volunteer services are always so good you know the salvos the red cross um churches there's always um you've only got to put your hand up You've only got to put a post on Facebook these days, the one good thing about Australia. And I think generally most countries are like that. You know, you've really only got to put the call out if you need something. I think people are generally good. Um, I found myself in a position of um, saying thank you, but no thank you to right. more offers. Yeah, you had I abundance. Needed. Yeah, I had an abundance of support and abundance of help um, offered. So yeah, I was fortunate, very blessed in that situation to be um, to be able to say no to a lot of people. Um, but yeah, so it was um, that side of it that that helps, and and even just the offer helps somebody get through something like that. Um, just knowing that there was, you know, an army of people that were there, mm. willing and ready to help. I, I mean, you always have your friends and your family, and you you know, I have my. I call them my inner circle, my, you know, close group of friends. And, and then I have my, you know, next ring out of the, you know, the closer associates and, and things like that. So, um, 
they're they're always going to be around you but it is nice to know that there are other people yeah you know, in your community that are that are there willing to help and I think we do that a lot better that kind of recovery mm. stuff I think we do it a lot better particularly in Australia now than we probably have in the past mm. sadly too many disasters in Australia to have to have practice to do mm. it but I, I think we're definitely a lot better at it now than we were thanks Nate. it's been really fascinating listening to your story and um, it has been a real pleasure for Amy and I and a real honour to have journeyed beside you over the last couple of years and watched you really blossom from, like, we met you soon after the fire um, and we, you know, watched you in, through some of the ups and downs of your journey and you are such a treasure and a delight not only in our Head, Heart and Home course, but in the wider community too of um, the art of decluttering. And everybody in the Head, Heart and Home course loves you and has now fallen in love with Daryl as well. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we just want to say thank you for sharing your story yeah. here with our listeners as well. And thank you for always being supportive and encouraging of Amy and I as well. Thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share. It's it's good to hear different. I enjoy listening to other people's stories and what they've come through because you can always take something out of mm -hmm. out of something that everybody else has got to say. So yeah. thank you, girls. And, yes, once again, if you haven't signed up for Head, Heart and Home, <laughs> <laughs> I know it sounds like an advert and for those, <laughs> the listeners won't be able to see what the girls are are both doing that shy turn their head away thing but it's, <laughs> it really is a game changer it really it really helps you take it to the next level so if you don't know what we're talking about I'm sure Amy and Kirsty will be able to fill you in <laughs> pop over to our website yeah, yeah we'll put it in the show notes <laughs> gnomes thank you so much listeners we hope that you've um, been able to see things through gnomes eyes today and we will see you all next week Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us. If you've learned something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.